We are glad to announce we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy for the upcoming NFL season. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. In case you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app for player props. Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in respective sport. For this NFL season, Thrive allows you to choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The most points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has $50,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1. Use promo code PODCAST when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today we will be giving our NFL update of the past two weeks, NFL weeks 9 and 10. So, Henry, let's get right into it. And we are going to be talking about the NFC East to start it off. And I feel like this is a repetitive segment because – they are just awful, and we are here to talk about how god-awful this division is. So let's start off, Henry, with this NFC East division. What do you think about them so far? Andrew, you said it all right there. It's not good, and there's not a whole lot to say about it. I'm genuinely hoping that the football team or the Giants win this division because no one wants to see the, the boring Eagles and Carson Wentz in the playoffs, and everyone hates the Cowboys. So I think we can all agree that we want the football team or the Giants in the playoffs at this point, Andrew. Yeah, and the Cowboys are referred to as America's team, and yet it, every single year it doesn't seem like they're America's team. I feel like they have more haters than genuine, like, actual fans. But, Henry, for the Washington football team and the New York Giants, this is the year to take the division, if any, uh, because right now the Eagles are winning this division with three wins right now which is the 20th best record in the entire NFL as a division leader. You don't often see that. And right now the division as a whole has two total wins outside of the division, Henry. That is the Cowboys 40 to 39 win against the Falcons, which should not have been a win because the Falcons did blow a 20 to nothing lead coming from the second quarter. And of course, that was the Dak Prescott Cowboys and the Cowboys look much different now. And also, of course, the notorious play where the Falcons decided not to pick up the football on the onside kick, which resulted in the Cowboys game winning field goal. And the other win outside of the division was the Eagles 25 to 20 win Henry over the 49ers. Uh, of course, that was without Jimmy Garoppolo, so that doesn't mean much with the Eagles only winning by five in that game. And the 49ers actually used two quarterbacks that game with Nick Mullins throwing or two interceptions. And he also lost a fumble, uh, causing the 49ers to take him out of the game. And the game ended with C.J. Beathard as the quarterback. So not a shocker that anybody would have won that game. So that was the second win for this NFC East division outside of themselves. So 
That says it itself, Henry. This division is god-awful, and I don't expect them to get any better, and we will probably be seeing the worst division winner in the playoffs that we will ever see in the history of the NFL. Yeah, and me and Andrew were talking before the podcast. We made uh, updated predictions for the rest of the season of the NFL, and the winner of the division that we had finished with four wins. So that says a lot about what the division looks like at this point. But Andrew, I think we should move on now to our second topic, which is this this quarterback rookie class. And we've seen with Herbert, we've seen with Burrow, and now we've seen with Tua how phenomenal these rookie quarterbacks are, although the records aren't there for two of the three of them. I mean, we can just tell that this league is in good hands with these three at the helm of their teams. And we haven't even seen Jordan Love yet, the backup quarterback, third string right now, actually, for the Packers. But we all know that is going to be a thing to come in the future. But, Andrew, what are your thoughts on these three rookie quarterbacks and how good do you think they will end up being? Yeah, well, Henry, you also forgot to mention Jalen Hurts right now, who is the backup quarterback for the Eagles. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him soon because of how badly the Eagles and Carson Wentz have been playing. But to get back to your question, what I have I been impressed with with these rookie quarterbacks? Well, let me just run down my takeaways from them. And Herbert, just his arm strength, Henry. This guy in his like deep ball accuracy you see him throwing up these balls to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams deep. And then, of course, you have the really fast slot receivers that are young. I really don't know their names, but I know I've seen a couple long ball uh, touchdowns from Herbert to these fast slot receivers. And when you have those two outside guys I mentioned, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, of course, that always helps. But Henry, he's putting the, these balls in spots he needs to put them, especially deep down the field. And he is the best pocket passer, I believe, out of any of these rookie quarterbacks. And with his arm strength, it just complements it all. Tua, of course, Henry, no early mistakes. That's what I wrote down. No early mistakes. He clearly knows how to run an NFL offense, and he does that without turning the ball over. And he's turning it over. I don't believe he has. Oh, no, he does have a turnover. He fumbled. But Henry, he protects the football and that's what matters most about rookie quarterbacks. And of course, Joe Burrow, what I wrote down for him, Henry, the incredible plays he creates is just great for a rookie quarterback. I haven't seen that in a while. And also he hits his receivers on time and on target, Henry. That's what matters the most. He knows when to get rid of the ball and he knows where to throw the football to make sure his receivers have a good chance at getting the ball. And of course, I believe he knows when to escape the pocket best out of any rookie quarterback so far. He just knows when the pocket is collapsing. He knows how to get out and he knows how to create plays. Those are the big things for Burrow. As of right now, who I have to say I think will be the best down the road, it's honestly unclear because I think all three of these quarterbacks are going to be great. But if I had to pick one, I think the quarterback with the most untapped potential out of all three, I think is Justin Herbert. And because as of right now, I know he hasn't really been leading his teams to wins like the other uh, two quarterbacks, especially Tua right now. But Henry, Justin Herbert, I think just you can see he has what it needs to take. He has everything physically. He just needs to unlock basically 
like the deep ball. I know he's been throwing it great, but it can always be better. But also he needs to, his IQ, I think, his football IQ, when and where to throw the ball. I think he's still working on that and when to get rid of it. So if Herbert can work on that and the deep ball, I think he can be a much better quarterback. But keep in mind, I think he is the best deep ball out of any of these quarterbacks. But it seems like sometimes he just throws it up there recklessly, hoping it's just one of his receivers comes down with it, which most of the time they do because, of course, he has two of the best outside receivers in the game and Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams. But he needs to be less reckless with his deep ball is what I'm trying to get at here. And also he needs to know when and where to get rid of the ball. Yeah, Andrew, I definitely agree with a lot of your takeaways from these quarterbacks, but I have a couple different ones here. And for Herbert, I mean, coming into this draft, you heard a lot of questions about his overall accuracy and if he was going to be able to make the transition, if he was just too raw, a lot like Jamarcus Russell and a lot of other guys we've seen with just that big arm and not a whole lot of just overall accuracy. But through, I believe he started eight games at this point, he's He's been a very accurate quarterback, and I'm very uh, pleased with that. And as you mentioned, that deep ball has been very successful. The one thing that you didn't mention is his, his legs and his ability to run. He's been very mobile outside of the pocket. We saw that in college, but you would think in the NFL he'd maybe try and tone that down, but not to an extent he really hasn't. He keeps trying to run the ball and create plays for himself, and I'm very happy about that for him. And for Burrow, I mean, it, it's obvious that he's the most poised and just calm player. And he's got the most confidence out of any of these quarterbacks. I mean, you see him walking in and he's just got that swagger that not many quarterbacks in the entire NFL have. And this guy, even though he's, I think, 23 right now, he still has a huge bright future in this NFL, considering how accurate of a quarterback he is. And he's got a very young receiving core. And I like the way he's already building a strong connection with T. Higgins, the rookie receiver out of Clemson. And for Tua, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say out of him. I mean, he's just playing mistake-free football. You haven't really seen him have a big game yet, a breakout game like we saw so far with Herbert and Burrow. But he hasn't really had to, considering his team is the only one that's winning games. And you can't really take away from that, considering as a starter, he's 3-0. and Although he hasn't really put up the numbers, he's got a – five to zero touchdown to interception ratio. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that if you're winning games, Andrew. Yeah, Henry. And I mentioned uh, right before I was done talking about uh, Justin Herbert. And one thing he needs to work on is the deep ball. And it wasn't the deep ball itself I was talking about. It's his decisions on when to go with the deep ball, because I believe sometimes he just chucks it up there, Henry. And maybe he just needs better decision-making, but that's at least from what I've been seeing. So the decision-making definitely, and as you mentioned with Tua, Henry, he's just been probably the more consistent guy. And he we haven't really seen the big plays from him yet or really any like sparks from him. He's just been a very consistent quarterback with keeping the ball and just marching down the field, Henry. But, and also with Burrow, you mentioned like the type of swagger he has. He reminds me of how Baker Mayfield played in his rookie year, Henry. But of course, I think Burrow is better than Baker Mayfield and is playing better than Mayfield did his rookie year. Of course, Mayfield did have a great rookie year, but uh, Burrow has been playing great, Henry. 
And I will be very interested to see on which one of these quarterbacks end up being the best out of this uh, quarterback class. But let's move on to the MVP race, Henry. And of course, you have a lot of guys, a lot of great players uh, at the head of this race. And, you know, it's really undecided right now. We don't really have a clear front runner, but I think we have two that it will come down to. And that is Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And as of right now, both of those guys are having a great, great season. And Russell Wilson had a better start and he was looking like he was about to take this MVP award. And then, of course, he's been having a little rough patch of games lately, which has kind of knocked him down from that number one spot. And I believe Mahomes did take that number one spot from him. But then you also have Rodgers, who's having a sneaky slash quiet good season. I feel like not enough people are giving him enough credit. You have Kyler Murray, who's been just finding ways to win games. And he's also been having a great season, one of the best seasons we've seen by a quarterback with his legs. And, of course, you have Josh Allen, who in the first couple games we were saying was right up there with Wilson, kind of dropped down a little, had like a mediocre games. But now he's playing really great again, and he, I guess, is somehow in there as well. And, of course, you have a non-quarterback who is also kind of sneakily in that uh, conversation with uh, Dalvin Cook, Henry, who has nearly 1,000 rushing yards in, I believe, eight games. And, of course, Alvin Kamara is having a great season as well, one of the best seasons we've seen as a receiver by any running back in the history of the NFL. So, Henry... Who do you think is going to take this MVP award and who do you think is still in contention for it? Andrew, at this point, I think that Mahomes is the clear front runner and it's not really that Mahomes even played bad to start the season. I mean, he just quietly cruised along just through his three touchdowns, 300 yards per game quietly, which is kind of sad that we just quietly, just go about watching Patrick Mahomes throw 25 touchdowns and one interception through nine games. And he hasn't really done anything more or less than that. And he's just kind of let Russell Wilson fall off and he's just kind of cruising along. And at this point, I think he's a clear front runner. And if he keeps along the pace that he's at, I mean, he's going to finish with close to 50 touchdowns and two interceptions, Andrew. And that's, that's ridiculous. That's better than his uh, MVP year from 2018. And I think Mahomes is, unfortunately going underappreciated considering how well he's played. And even though the chiefs are eight and one, it's like people don't even talk about how good Mahomes has been. Although, I mean, Mahomes is still a very talked about quarterback, but it's like, he's kind of flown under people's radar in the MVP race, considering how well Russell Wilson started the season. But I think he, Russell Wilson is also in the race. I think Kyler Murray is also in the race. And I think Rogers as well. And the last one, I probably put Dalvin Cook or maybe Alvin Kamara, but probably Cook over Kamara and Josh Allen because if the Vikings are able to get into the playoffs, I think we can all agree that he's going to be the probably the reason that they do. I mean, you saw it last night that Kirk Cousins isn't really the quarterback that's going to go out and throw for 300 yards and five touchdowns or however much. I mean, he's just going to kind of be a game manager and let Dalvin Cook have all the big type of plays. So if they're able to get into the playoffs. I think Dalvin Cook could rise up into that top three of the MVP race. But Andrew, that's all I have on the MVP race. Yeah, Henry, and two of those guys played last week and probably will be the best game we've seen 
uh, all season and probably will be the best game we will see all season because the Cardinals and Bills played an absolute thriller of a game. And of course, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray uh, had a nice showdown and shootout. And of course, we had Stefan Diggs have an incredible catch. Henry, I texted you right when it happened. I was like, oh my God, Stefan Diggs, what a catch, what a throw. Wow. I thought the Bills had it in the bag. Every single fan in the whole world thought the Bills had it in the bag. And Hale Murray with the Hail Mary. And oh my God, DeAndre Hopkins over three defenders looking like Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Oh my God, Henry. Wow. The game ended right there with DeAndre Hopkins catching it over three defenders with Kyler Murray throwing it on the run, cross his body. Wow. So what I have to say is DeAndre Hopkins, I think, can be declared the best receiver in the game after that catch. For right now. For right now. Maybe Devontae Adams does something that maybe puts him ahead. But right now, I'm saying DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the game. That may change. But as of right now, with that catch happening... DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the game. Kyler Murray, I think, from that game, definitely solidified himself as a contender for this MVP race. And Josh Allen had a hell of a game himself, Henry. So all around, great game. Probably will be the best game we will see all season. Andrew, I think you're giving a lot of credit, I agree, to DeAndre Hopkins on this throw. But we're not giving any credit at all to Kyler Murray. I mean, you saw him. He... He scrambled out of the out of the pocket, which was designed. He hit the throw was supposed to go to Larry Fitzgerald on a drag, so they could set up a thirty yard hail mary. But obviously, Kyler Murray had some other plan. He he sprinted towards the sideline, flipped his hips, which is one of the hardest things to do. I've I heard Dan Orlowski on ESPN talking about it, how hard it was, and I went outside and go and went to try to see what it was like running to my left as fast as I could and trying to flip my hips and throw a ball 50 yards down the field. It's, it's not easy. And to throw that good of a pass to a perfect spot where Deandre Hopkins could go make a play on the ball, obviously it was a ridiculous catch. I mean, three guys on you, Tredavious white, Micah Hyde, and I forget the other guy or yeah, Micah Hyde. And I forget the other guy, but three guys, three guys were there and Deandre Hopkins Moss the entire Bills team. I mean, I mean it's obvious. The, the entire Bills team should be ashamed. No matter what position you play, DeAndre Hopkins just ended your entire franchise. And I know you talked about him being the best receiver. Obviously, I don't agree with that. I think De- Devontae Adams is the best receiver in all football, but that's a topic for another time. But I mean, Andrew, I mean, what a game. I I was watching the end of that. I agree with you. I was just Stephon Diggs made that catch. Uh, what a throw. What a catch. I thought the game was over. And like you said, Hale Murray, uh, that guy is just a phenomenal player and going to be an exciting player to watch for years to come in the NFL. Yeah, Henry, that throw and catch will probably be one of the best we've seen in recent years between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. But let's move on to one of the teams that started off so hot and have just fallen back down to earth, basically. And this is the Chicago Bears. And after week six, they were five and one and they were looking really good. And ever since that week six win against the Panthers, 
it has just fallen downhill for them. Of course, a loss against the Rams, a loss against the Saints, a loss against the Titans, and last week a loss against the Vikings have put them back down to 500 after a 5-1 and one start. And the Chicago Bears are just looking awful right now, Henry. They can't do anything on offense. Their defense is one of the best, I think, in the NFL. But when you can't score, nothing's ever going to happen and you're not going to win games. And that has shown uh, to be true in these past couple games for them. So what do you have to say about this Bears team? And do you think they still have a shot at the playoffs? Andrew, they have 100% a shot at the playoffs if they bench Nick Foles. I mean, it's obvious that he's not the answer. Although, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky, you saw he went 3-0, but we, and everyone's been talking about that all day today, and that today is Tuesday. And obviously he didn't play the best of teams, but when you win with a guy and he struggles in one game, I really don't know how you can bench him considering that he led you to essentially a 3-0 record in the three games he started. And Nick Foles has thrown like two touchdowns and 12 interceptions through six games or like seven games as a starting quarterback. And I genuinely don't understand how Nick Foles is still going to be the starting quarterback most likely after the bye. And if he still is, there's no way the Bears are a playoff team in my eyes. Yeah, Henry, I think they took out Trubisky prematurely I think because I think they just made a quick decision because they were down in one game and they needed a spark and Nick Foles was it I think they should have stick or stuck with uh, Trubisky the next week the following week but of course after that Falcons comeback they stuck with Foles and started working out at first but now it's not looking too good for them and they are in a real rough patch here and it is only going downhill from here but my question is to you, do you, would you be more comfortable right now with Trubisky as your starting quarterback rather than Foles, a healthy Foles, give or take? Andrew, at this point, neither of them are healthy anyways. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky was a scratch last night because of a shoulder injury, and we don't know the next time Nick Foles will play a game. Obviously, I think they said that he has a chance to return after the bye, but I don't know. He, just, he got carted off the field. So... I would probably rather have Trubisky considering he has more big playability and gives you some more mobility to get out of the pocket. And Nick Foles really doesn't give you anything in that type of ability. Although he is, he's a smarter play. Maybe he, he's kind of more confident as a quarterback at this point, but Trubisky, I think gives them the best chance to score more points. And in my opinion, just to win games. Yeah, Henry. And the Bears cannot score. We saw last week against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. They Their offense scored six points, and they did have a touchdown, but it, it wasn't the offense. It was the special teams. The offense could not score. They had two field goals all game, and they, they were just looking awful, their offense. And, of course, their defense was great, but that isn't going to necessarily uh, win you games when you can't put up the points, Henry. And the Bears haven't put up more than 23 points since uh, their rough patch of uh, losing. And the Vikings defense is not that good, Henry. The Vikings defense is not that good. People have been putting up points on them all year, and yet the Bears couldn't even score a touchdown on them. It's really concerning, and I think the Bears might have to go back to Trubisky hoping he's healthy after the bye week. But Let's move on to another quarterback who isn't necessarily the healthiest of them all right now. And that is Drew Brees for the Saints. Of course, news coming. He has uh, 
multiple fractured ribs, I believe, including a collapsed lung. And that is not looking good for the Saints or Drew Brees with playoff hopes. I believe they still will make the playoffs, but we're, we're just hoping we can see them back by the time the regular season ends, Henry, because right now they said at best, they're hoping three weeks, I think they said, for him to come back at best. So hopefully Jameis Winston can keep them above water for the time being and get them to the playoffs. And that's basically all you need for the Saints to contend. Because if you can get them to the playoffs, Drew Brees will do his job most likely. But Henry, do you think Jameis Winston can keep this team afloat? Because as of right now, when you're franchise quarterback and starting quarterback, your MVP of your team right now, I guess you can say Kamara is playing great, but of course Kamara can't be playing great without Drew Brees. So without Drew Brees, do you think this team can survive for the time being? You know, Andrew, before I talk about Winston, I mean, speaking about Brees' injury, I think they said it is a two to three week injury, but at this point, I think there's two times, three times he comes, two times he comes back, or I mean, Three. There's three times he could come back. It's against the Chiefs in week 15. It's in week 17 just to get him a quick game before the playoffs or this the first game of the playoffs. I believe that there's a good chance it's it's the start of the playoffs. That's what I've been hearing. I, I think they're just going to try and hold them out as long as they can. If they can somehow end up winning that one seed, if they have a clear path to the one seed and the bye, I think there's no reason to bring him back considering he could just have a lot of practice time and Breeze doesn't really need a warm-up game. I mean, obviously he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, but speaking about Winston, I mean, the saints don't have much of a tough schedule the rest of the way they play the chiefs. And I think every other game they play is against a team who is a below 500 record at this point. So if he can win, I mean, five of those games go five and two. The re- No, that's not right. I think four and two. I think there's, yeah, four and two, I believe, five and two. I don't know how, exactly how many games there are. Maybe seven. There's seven games, I think, left, Andrew. I don't know. Can you? Yeah, I think five and two would be the record that would be pretty good for Jameis Winston. Obviously, I think we could both agree that is uh, maybe a bit of a stretch, but Hopefully the Sean Payton touch can work on him and he'll stop throwing picks. I mean, we saw him come in last week and he did the thing that Drew Brees has done all year. And that's give the ball to Alvin Kamara on a dump off and let him work his magic. And if Jameis Winston realizes that's what he's going to have to do instead of taking big shots down the field to Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas, then they'll go five and two. They'll go six and one. They'll go seven and oh. I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs, but. If Breeze is back, then obviously they have a much better chance. But Andrew, I, I think Winston is going to play better than a lot of people are thinking. I have a lot of confidence in him considering that he's playing in a Sean Payton offense. And I think Sean Payton's a much better coach for him than Bruce Arians it was. Yeah, Henry, and there is seven games left, I believe. And I don't think there's any reason you put Breeze in to risk another injury and risk his body you might as well preserve him for the playoffs, but of course, there there is a chance that they get him in there just to make sure he's fresh and uh, has the skills and has the game experience he needs to have before the playoffs, so he is playoffs ready. But Henry, let's move on to a team that we're talking about that might even have a chance at making the playoffs because, Henry, this is the New England Patriots, and we were counting them out. 
especially after Newton got COVID and they were two and five, Henry. They, they, they were two and five. They beat the Jets, of course, on Monday Night Football. And then they uh, follow up by beating the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Two-game win streak for them. And now they're four and five. And with a very probable win coming next week against the Texans, the two and seven Texans, may I add, I believe that this team can get back to 500. And with Bill Belichick being their head coach and the mastermind he is, there is still a very possible chance, and may I say probable, that the Patriots can find their way back in the playoffs, Henry. And they do have a kind of tough schedule. It's really hard to tell because with Bill Belichick, you can never count him out, especially later in the season. But so as I mentioned, they have the Texans next week, and I would say that would be a win for them with the Texans struggling so badly. and. They have the Cardinals, but we'll get back to that because I know Henry is a really good point uh, in that game and why the Patriots might actually win that game. You have the struggling Chargers, which I believe the Patriots can capitalize on, get a win. The Rams will be a tough game because they've been playing so well, especially that defense. You have the Dolphins, which I believe Bill Belichick basically owns the Dolphins, very winnable game. You have the Bills, who the Patriots played very closely in the past game. And then, of course... To end the season, you have the Jets, Henry, and I think we can assume how that game's going to go. So they have a couple games that are basically wins for them, but of course they have a few tough games against the Rams, Dolphins, Bills, and even the Cardinals. But Henry, this team is a lot better than what people give them credit for. And of course, I want to go back to earlier in the season, and that is against the Seahawks week two. That game came down to the final play on the two-yard line, I believe it was, where Cam Newton got stopped short on the last play of the game for the game-winning touchdown. And then, of course, they beat the Raiders, which the Raiders are a playoff team. They kept the Chiefs game that they had uh, within two scores, and I believe that was without Cam Newton. Of course, the Broncos game came down to the uh, last possession for the Patriots. Of course, that didn't go their way, but that was still a very winnable game for them that they didn't pull off, which should have been a win. And the the 49ers game was very rough for them, but I want to talk about the Bills game. That came down to the final possession. Should have been a, a win for the Patriots, but Cam Newton coughed up the ball. And then that brings us to the Jets game, which they won, and the Ravens game, which they won. So this team is not bad by any means. I just caught a couple bad losses, and of course Cam Newton – catching COVID wasn't necessarily the thing they needed to uh, get some wins. But Henry, do you think this Patriots team can possibly make the playoffs? And I want you to also talk about that Cardinals game because you brought up a very good point to me before this podcast started on why the Patriots actually have a solid chance at winning that game. Andrew, with Bill Belichick, the Patriots are never out of it. But speaking about that Cardinals game, I mean, the Cardinals have played two games on the East Coast this year, and it's always tough for West Coast teams to go play early 10 o'clock games on the East Coast. And the two games they played were against the Jets, which they won. Obviously, everyone's beat the Jets, and that's not much of a task. And they played the the Carolina Panthers on the road, a 10 o'clock game realistically for them, and they lost – by 10 points, Kyler Murray 
threw for 153 yards, but it had three touchdowns. But I mean, you saw they lost to a team that they're obviously significantly better than because it was on the East Coast. And in a game where the they're playing the Patriots, who are a better team than the Panthers on the road in a one o'clock start on the East Coast, I take Bill Belichick in that game 10 times out of 10 because I don't know if I trust the Cardinals to go into Foxborough in an early start for them in an East Coast game, considering how hard it is for West Coast teams, Andrew, to play on the East Coast. Yeah, Henry, and you mentioned how Kyler Murray only threw for 153 yards, I believe you said, against the Panthers. And keep in mind, the Patriots, I believe, have a much better defense than uh, the Panthers do. And with Stefan Gilmore possibly coming back healthy by that time and having him guard DeAndre Hopkins, it will be mano y mano, basically, with one of the best cornerbacks and possibly one of the best wide receivers, maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL going up against each other. So that will be a great matchup. Hopefully we can get. And Henry, as I mentioned, Patriots have a better defense, so maybe they can shut Kyler Murray down and possibly steal a win there. But I want you uh, to give your prediction on whether or not you think they will make the playoffs, because I have to say there is a very good chance they go nine and seven and possibly squeak into the playoffs. But if I'm being realistic, I don't know if they can do it just because of how stacked the AFC is this year. Andrew, I don't think they make the playoffs. I think they finish somewhere around eight and eight, nine, and seven at most 10 and six, but I don't think 10 and six gets them in the playoffs, but I think they win that Cardinals game. The game I think you can almost pencil in them losing is that Rams game going to the West Coast on a short week, basically having no practice time. I think it's going to be tough for them to play in prime time in L.A. and win that game. But all the other games are for sure winnable. I, I explained that Cardinals won, which is probably the toughest one the rest of the year. Obviously, they have the number against the Bill or the, yeah, the Bills, excuse me, and the Dolphins, as well as the Jets. So every other game, I think, besides that Rams game is completely winnable. And I think the Patriots definitely aren't out of that playoff race, Andrew. Yeah, Henry, I definitely agree, especially with Bill Belichick. You can never count them out of that playoff race. But, Henry, if you don't have anything else to say, I think this will be a good time to wrap it up because I think we covered everything we needed to from the past two weeks. Yeah, I think this is a great time to wrap it up, Andrew. Uh, don't forget, we hope you did enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast, as well as support the podcast, clicking the link in the description. We hope you did enjoy once again, and we'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.